Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts and I believe that we all have a purpose and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. So welcome to another episode of People With Purpose. Uh, today I'm very, very pleased to be joined by Jane Baylor, who's started, run and sold several uh, successful businesses um, and raised tons of, uh, of finance and through this has learned that it's people that build success. So Jane now uh, helps business owners uh, become the best version of themselves, find their ideal clients um, and the smart connections they need to thrive. So Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's just great to be here, David. Thank you. And uh, and where are you calling from today? So I'm in Rickmansworth, which is more or less on the M25 Northwest London. So it's um, South Hertfordshire, uh, just out outside London. Takes me about half an hour to get in, which is kind of nice. I'm going to be in there tonight having fun. So that's where I am. Excellent. Yeah. So you you're a city you're a city dweller, city party goer, or are you a country type person? <laughs> where, where do you sit on that? I like both, I have to say. So I think that's um, that's really why I live here. It's the perfect uh, juxtaposition. There's some beautiful countryside around here, but London is very accessible. And so, uh, yeah, I, I love to go in, but I also love walking my dog and getting out in nature, as many people do. So it's it's nice to have both. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. I um, I'm from Bristol, so I kind of uh, I've got that kind of city boy inside of me. But I now live in Devon, so uh, and I really oh, enjoy lovely. yeah yeah I really enjoy living in the countryside. But it's great to get back into the city every now and then, and uh, a different pace of life and all that. Feel that buzz. Exactly, exactly. So, what are you working on at the minute? Yeah, so I have um, a program called Ideal Client Success. So I'm I'm very busy um, serving my clients in that, and that's for experts who are generally not expert marketers. Although I do also have some agency clients because my background, which I'm sure we'll be going into, is in running uh, agencies in media and entertainment. So I do have some agency clients, but. A lot of my clients are experts who are, they have fantastic track record and experience in a particular niche area, but they're not really marketers and they need some help to get online and get out there with the strongest possible message and offer so that they can attract more of their ideal clients more quickly and stop wasting time on people who are the wrong fit. Yeah, yeah, so important, isn't it, to to get that right? So, uh, so how do you help people to to work that out then? Because um, when you're sort of starting, particularly, you kind of you, there's that desperate desperate desire to help people, and also that desperate desire to get some customers and some money coming in, and all those sorts of things. But it's not always the best way to go, is it? Well, I think you you do have to be passionate about what you do because passion shines through, obviously. So. Uh, but, you know, most people that start an expert business that's founded on their own wisdom and experience, they are very passionate about what they do. And that's the thing that has got them going. But what they lack is a clear route to market. And what I think a lot of them don't understand, because it's not really within their skill set, is that marketing is an expert business in itself. I mean, I'm somebody who's been in marketing for 25 years and I've worked with some of the you know the biggest brands in the world actually running and developing accounts for them so Coca-Cola British Airways ITV Discovery Networks and the principles of brand marketing are applicable whether you're a giant global brand or whether you're a tiny little one man band just launching something and marketing is very psychologically driven and even with people who, I mean, I have clients who are psychologists and they're mindset coaches and so on. And even with those people who have a very good grasp of psychology, perhaps leadership coaches who they, um, they have a lot of NLP training, for example, it's not the same as psych understanding the psychologically driven triggers that come with um, using the language of marketing, if you like. It's like a foreign language. Think of it that way. So that's one of the things that we focus on, just mm. one of the things. Sure, sure. And then it's finding, I suppose, again, 
not not to focus on particularly on startups but but if you if you are looking for your ideal client i guess it's uh if you can be specific about who it is and what it is they need from you and what they're thinking and what their orientations are then that can give you real focus well absolutely and unlike in the past of course all your competitors are available at the click of a button so the more precise you can be about what you do and really the problem that you solve because that's the reason why people will actually invest in you and buy your services the more likely you are to get what what is called the hand raise which is people saying i want this and i need this uh and the the more you blend in with the crowd and you are sending out a message that um, that really sounds like a lot of a, a lot of other messages that your clients might be coming across. The less likely you are to get one, and then you'll get bypassed, and other people will get chosen first. So that is the undesirable situation for any expert. So a lot of it is about that very clear and sharp differentiation, that clarity, and really that punch that gets people to understand right from the beginning exactly the difference that you make. Brilliant. Stand out, get noticed, and and they'll come to you. Yep. Perfect. Well, they'll come to you uh, sort of, yes. I mean, there's a bit more to it than that, but uh, <laughs> that's where it all starts. Yeah, yeah excellent. <laughs> good, good. Okay, so what's your story then, Jane? Where, 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 did, you, where did you start and, and how did you end up here? Yeah, so uh, I mean, um, <laughs> I've got quite a quite a long story, I guess. So um, I, I'll skip over the the early days because I had a bit of a troubled childhood, and I have talked about that in other po- podcasts. But basically, uh, my way out of my challenging family life was to achieve academically. So I did pretty well. And I ended up in uh, this relatively high-level career in media and entertainment. This was via some freelance work along the way. So I started working in uh, theatre, film and TV. I was working as an art director and a designer. Um, I, I was doing all sorts of different things, but mostly on the creative side. And then I just got really interested in marketing and I thought, you know what, I want to give this a go. So I started working for a publishing company in a sales role. And then I very quickly kind of moved because of my background in television and because I already had a lot of contacts and so on. I It was relatively easy for me to, to kind of make the, the leap into working for television companies. And then I got a um, started working for an events agency and uh, an advertising agency called Young and Rubicum. And then at that point, I was found, if you like, discovered by um, the partner of a London design agency that had an incredible creative history. But um, it had all gone horribly wrong because there were two founding partners and one of them had left to go off to the US and they'd fallen out. So he'd taken his eye off the ball and the agency was was really in disarray. And he said, come in, I want you to run this for me and I want to sell. I want to, <clears throat> you know, I want to kind of just go out with a bang uh, in a five years time. So I was like, okay, um, this sounds quite good. And he was willing to give up equity. And um, he gave me a very, very, very tempting profit share. It was almost too hard, too hard to ignore mm. because, you know, he wanted to incentivize me up to the hilt. Uh, And, you know, I did take a drop in salary to begin with, but pretty soon that salary went back up again quite significantly as well. So so I started uh, working on this and I saw immediately what the opportunity was. And they were in what I call a red ocean market. In other words, it was a very um, sort of saturated kind of creative pool in London of designers that were all doing moving image design title sequences for TV programs. And I'm sure you know what I mean when I say that. Mm. Um, so the top and tail that you get on TV programs. Yeah. And that was all well and good. Um, but I realized that there was a much bigger international market out there for corporate identities. And there weren't really very many people that were doing it because it was very much a kind of cottage industry. And you had to invest if you wanted to 
do that work. You had to travel across the world at that particular time. You had to attend some industry conferences. You had to invest in your profile. And I said to this guy, look, we've got one case study, which was ITV. It was an old case study, but I said, that's good enough. So what we have to do is we have to invest. We now have to invest. If you want to, if you want to make your profitable exit, you've got to put some, stop taking all the money out of the business and put some back in. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, he agreed. And that was a wise decision because uh, we did invest. And then um, within a couple of years, the turnover of the business had gone from one to six million. Uh, we quadrupled profits, and that um, naturally drew the attention of a number of prospective buyers. And we ended up getting acquired by the US communications group um, into public and absorbed into their flagship uh, brand identity company, which was called Future Brand. So I became an MD within the Future Brand group. And that was, <clears throat> yeah, that, that was an adventure <laughs> journey. There's been a lot more since then, um, but you know that that was uh, that's a, that's a good story, and so that's kind of my credentials. Let's just say in marketing. Yeah, sure, and it's quite interesting, isn't it? When you when you you sometimes presented with an opportunity like that, and and uh, it's down to you then to actually really take the initiative to make it happen because you've got a business that's in a certain uh, state, you know, got an established reputation, but it needs that injection of energy or that vision or whatever to. Uh, to take to the next step. So, so in your conversations with the the, the person that you went into partnership with, uh, was that was that challenging trying to get that message across, or or did you have to? Um, or was it quite a straightforward journey? No, it wasn't straightforward. It was really, really, really hard. And the only way that I could get through it was because at that particular time I was a single parent and my children were very young and I wasn't seeing them. And for me, this was absolutely torturous because I was away from them for 12 hours a day because I was living out in Hertfordshire and traveling into London. And I was also traveling for work. So I would, you know, not really see very much of them. And that wasn't really how I wanted to live. So I had this kind of vision in my mind sell the business, get equity, obviously, um, that's going to be my escape. When the business is sold, I'm going to escape. He's going to escape as well. Obviously, there, there's an earn-out period. Um, but, you know, that was that was the big thing, the big purpose, if you like, that drove me on. But to be honest, I will say it now, he was a nightmare. He was you know, there, there were ways uh, we, we did to connect, certainly in terms of our ambition, but he was a very tricky character. And in fact, um, <clears throat> you know, he did try and uh, uh, come up with this kind of very meaningless contract. He got these really kind of high powered lawyers to kind of write this contract that made it look as though I had, uh, you know, access to all the equity and the profit share and everything else. But in fact, there was lots of small print there, which meant that he could just get rid of me whenever he wanted. That was the type of guy that he was. Um, and once I actually discovered that, because I also had good lawyers, <laughs> then I called him out on it and, and he was very grumpy about it. So after that, uh, he knew that he still needed me and he, he knew that I'd called him out. And I kind of forced him. I just said to him, well, look, you know, either you fix this or I'm gone. And um, he had to fix it because he knew that he needed me. But after that, we were not friends. Um, so we had to, you know, we, we were forced together a lot of the time. And, you know, we, we had to kind of operate, obviously, professionally. But we weren't friends. We were just there to execute um, the sale mm. and get out of the business. Yeah. So how, what did that teach you then about, about relationships then? Well, you know, I've had lifelong lessons, uh, you know, on, on relationships. It's just one of my favorite topics. But, um, you know, I, my favorite saying is always be clear about your purpose or others will use you for theirs. Now, if I hadn't have been clear about my purpose, then I probably would have overlooked this phony contract. And 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 so that was that's where having a purpose actually comes in. I'm like, look, I'm not here for fun. I'm this is my life. Um, I'm here to achieve the same result as you. Obviously, 
you have more of the equity because it's your business and you've run it for 10 years and you've built up this, you know, whole creative legacy, whereas I've just come in as the turnaround person, if you like. But, um, you know, I'm not in this for fun. And media, particularly media in London, is an extremely cutthroat environment. Very, very, very cutthroat. And that was, you know, I mean, that was just the way it was. So, um, so I just learned that I suppose you have to, you do have to be clear about your purpose and you do have to be, uh, the minute you take your eye off the ball, then people will come in and they'll take what's yours. Mm. I know that sounds kind of mean, but I see it all the time. I'm afraid it does happen. Mm. Uh, you have to be very, very, very vigilant because the world is full of predators. And um, if you're not careful, if you're somebody who has something valuable, then they will move in to take it from you. Sad, but true. Well, it's uh, doing your due diligence, isn't it, on 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 people? That's 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 so important. I mean, uh, we, I've I've done some work with uh, with private equity. And uh, in, in private equity uh, and VCs, and th- th- there's there is this school of thought which is you know well they're all kind of you know money grabbing uh, you know uh, dragons and 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 all of that sort of stuff. But actually, um, yes, okay, there is a definitely a profit motive when it comes to private equity because they're taking investors' funds and they and they're they're looking to generate returns for them. But but you can find people in that sector who are. Who are very, very bright, very, very concerned about people, very, very interested in 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 finding funds for meaningful businesses with a purpose and want to actually make a difference in the world. You've just got to do your due diligence to make sure you end up in the right camp. Well, I think that's true, but I also think due diligence can only get you so far. Um, and really, I think people also need to trust their intuition. I think they need to ask the right questions. I mean, there are lots of criminals operating out there without criminal records, for example. Um, There are lots of people who get away with doing terrible things to people behind closed doors, but they show up as the squeakiest, cleanest uh, version of themselves out there in the world. So due diligence is a start. But I think, um, yeah, you know, people have to, it it helps to just not get in out of your depth, you know, to, to be a bit street smart, really. And if you're not, um, then surround yourself with people who are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, well, absolutely. And, and there's the whole thing about uh, in any situation, uh, there's going to be a potential risk, there's going to be a potential downside. It's how you can, on your way into a situation, make sure you've got clarity on what the exit route might be. And yeah, part of that's purpose, but part of that is protecting against that downside risk. Yeah, but without being too risk averse as well, mm. I totally agree. But I think there is a caveat because if you're too risk averse, then most of the world is very risk averse, and they—that's why they never build businesses. They never, uh, they never really do very much other than just um, live a small and safe life. So we entrepreneurs, we are in a in a minority, uh, and we do tend to be the risk takers of this world. Um, and investors are risk takers as well. I mean, I'm an investor as well. I've invested in in lots of different things, and uh, invest all investment carries risk. But it's all about just calculated risk, I think, just mm. in in terms of business, investment, and life as well. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes it's going to come off, and sometimes it isn't. And unfortunately, that's well. It'd be lovely if we could look into a crystal ball, and every single investment of time and effort that we make would turn out just as we imagined it right at the beginning. But it it just doesn't happen that way, does it? No, no, not every time, unfortunately. No. <laughs> So intuition. Yeah. So, so t- tell us about uh, your intuition and uh, how you how you learnt what was what was good and what was bad and and what was good gut feel and yeah, how, how did that journey work for you? Yeah. So I've always been very aware uh, because I'm a very creative person that uh, I, I do have a connection with my own intuition, and I've got to say that there have been many times in my life that I have turned away from that. And that has been a mistake, very, very much a mistake. Um, when I think back, uh, that intuition is that small, still voice that we, it's so easy not to listen to. 
And it tells us, it tells us, look, this is not good. This is not right for us. There's something about this that isn't adding up. I think that's what it is. Uh, or it tells us, look, this is actually, you, you're loving this, aren't you? You're, you're loving this person. You're loving this situation. You're loving this work. Do more of it. So that's what intuition means to me. But I wish I had listened to my intuition all my life, but it would have, if, if it had done, I, I don't know. I, I just probably would have, uh, I would have led a different life, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got examples in my, in my mind where I um, invariably, intuition is something that I think about when I kind of think, mm, I should, I, I did have that thought. And I wish I'd taken a different path. I suppose what what I don't do often enough is I don't praise my intuition when I when I get things right. And perhaps if I did that a little bit more, I might I might learn more that good habit and 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 reinforce that good habit rather than necessarily uh, flagging when it didn't go quite so well. I don't know. Got any thoughts about that? Yeah, yeah. That's a very very important point, Dave. David, and I think. Yeah, I definitely. It's very, it's very hard to, to really stay conscious and stay present to that inner voice. But when I wrote my book, The Smart Connector, it was really all based on, let's just say, a journey of discovery around this topic and other topics. And so I have this philosophy that connection, it all starts with self, obviously. It is that connection with that voice and actually really understanding your voice and having that self-awareness and having the courage also to to take action when perhaps you might not have done in the past. So that's connection to self. And then connection to others is really bringing that awareness into the communications that you have, one-to-one communications with others and those conversations and actually bringing real integrity and power into those conversations saying what's hard when it won't be received well. Um, so, and being direct, because so many people, they just tell other people what they want to hear. And really, that, that is lying. So I like to be somebody who has real standout integrity and doesn't lie. And so those are the people that I want to surround myself with, because those are the people that lift me higher. Um, and then finally, the connection to many piece is really how do you bring that personality, that um, integrity, that set of values out there in the world and actually communicate the essence of who you are in a very busy online environment. And that's really where my Ideal Client Success program comes in. And I've got some new programs as well. I've got a program that I'm just putting together for consultants and uh, but so, I mean, they're all kind of along the same lines, but really that that thing about how do you cut through the noise and actually communicate with power and integrity and just stand out as a person that other people recognize as a leader, um, that is obviously an art and a skill and everything else. And it all comes back to the the other two as well so it's really something that i'm just so passionate about yeah that sounds fascinating so so purpose then you mentioned that earlier um what what part has finding and following your purpose played in your life well i've got to say that i spent a lot of my life just thrashing around without a purpose so i you know, like like many young people, I was just chasing the good times. <laughs> you know, I was very much a party animal, very sociable, and and just wanted to experience as much of life as possible. When I was a teenager and a young person, and and I was really, I would say, not a very serious kind of person. I was just somebody that wanted to have fun <laughs> for quite a long time, probably a lot longer than than I probably should have done. I was a bit of a slow. <laughs> A bit slow to grow up, let's just say. Mm. Um, but when I did, I think what happened is my dysfunctional childhood really caught up with me. And I know 
we talked about it very briefly at the beginning, but um, you know, my mother was was not very well. Let's just say she she had alcohol and drug issues, and she I think she has the mental illness under underlying that. And my father was not around very much. I mean, we they were together, but he was a, a quite a high flying corporate executive, so he was away from the house a lot. So. Um, so we we were very um, very much left to our own devices. Let's just say, as children, there wasn't a lot of a lot of love, care, or attention. And so, what that meant is that I was really out on my own in the world from a very early age, unsupervised, um, but without any adult guidance at all. And I think there comes a point in your adult life where that catches up with you because you're looking around for a frame of reference. And it's like, well, I, I don't really have one. I don't know what what uh, what a good relationship feels like because I've never seen that between my parents. I've never felt that from my parents. Um, in terms of the career, I mean, that was relatively straightforward because, you know, I, I, I had some talents and I think people literally just picked up on the talents. Says, oh, I'll have, you'll have you there. I'll have you there. And that's happened throughout my whole career because people have just recognized stuff in me that could be useful to them. Um, so when you have those skills, then you you have the ability to make money. Right. Um, so I found that I've never struggled in terms of my career, but where, where I really did struggle and where it really would have come in handy to have to have the knowledge and the insights that I have now is in my personal relationships because I got involved with some really not very nice guys um, that had pretty devastating consequences in some respects for my life. Um, and, you know, now I'm single um, and... Yeah, I feel kind of um, I have some I have three beautiful, beautiful girls, but I know now that I I overlooked the value of connection. That was the lesson that I had to learn. And I actually had a couple of painful business experiences at the time that my marriage collapsed. And I did a lot of personal development work. I actually went for an intervention all the way across to the US to spend a very long weekend with a really high level guy and did a lot, a lot of work on myself. And the thing that I really realized was that because of my fractured childhood, I had grown up with this idea that it was really no one, nobody else um, can help me. I just had to help myself. So I was one of those people, which is very common with ACOAs, as they're called, the adult child of alcoholics, where you feel as though you can't ask people for help. You feel as though you have to do everything yourself. And my mother was exactly the same. She would never, ever ask for help. And it's terrible, terrible, um, a very damaging attitude and set of beliefs when you feel as though you can't reach out and ask for help and that you just have to rely on yourself and you think that yourself is enough because alone we are weak, we are vulnerable. Together we are strong. And so what I know now is the lesson that I wish I'd known as a very, very early, you know, this uh, <laughs> very young child, let's say, which is that we are all connected and you have to choose the people that are in your life very, very wisely because people will either lift you up or they'll drag you down. And had I had the right mentor at that age, if somebody had walked into my life and said, you know what, Jane, I'm going to show you what love looks like. I'm going to show you what caring looks like. I would not have walked into those relationships blind. And I would not have had the heartache, really, that I have had, repetitive heartache, let's just say. So, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that, as I said, I've had a lot of professional success and I've had a lot of personal heartache. I suppose that's really the, you know, <laughs> the sum of it all. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that, Jane. That's that, that's that's great for you to be able to share that. And uh, I suppose, 
Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because because you have a kind of a situation where you, as an individual, are, are kind of on the face of it and outwardly, you know, successful and and doing things. But there's then there's there's this other part of you that that perhaps doesn't doesn't feel quite like that. And and for people that might be going through a similar thing to the thing that you've been through now, was there anything that you, that you noticed as that was happening, or that you were aware of as you were going through that period in your life, which which they could then use as a trigger to perhaps do something different or make a change earlier, perhaps? Well, I think reach out to people who have your best interests at heart. Now, my family were very weak in that respect. Obviously, my family of origin, and this is the challenge that a lot of people have, is that they are the way they are. They are, they are in difficult situations because they didn't have a you know, good leadership in their in their family. So sometimes family is not really the most helpful place to go. My brother sadly died of alcoholism, and my sister um, ran away to the US when she, really as young as she could. And uh, you know, she has her own issues as well. So, uh, so I didn't have any family, and I made my own family. I have my lovely daughters now, um, so that's absolutely amazing. But don't rely on family. Um, friends can be frenemies. Uh, hmm. Business colleagues, usually they just uh, have their own interests at heart and, you know, that's business is business and so on. Um, but we, we need to know that there are people out there who care and there are people out there who will encourage us to live by our values, by hmm. our true values, and actually step into our worth. And I think that's really what it's all about. If somebody is making you feel less than consistently, if they're, if they're, I mean, my ex, for example, he, he used to, you know, scream and shout and rage and about absolutely nothing very, very frequently um, because he just felt like it. He just felt like dumping. So that's, if you're in that situation, if you're with some people who are behaving like that, or if you're with people who are introducing drama into your life, um, that, that, those could be business partners or personal partners. The minute somebody introduces drama into my life, um, then I just exit quietly because that drama is a sign that they're going to drag you down. Mm. My life is very simple now. And because I, I live by a very simple set of rules, one of which is no drama. <laughs> so, um, so I think if inadvertently you've got yourself involved with the wrong person, whether it's a business partner, because there's lots of people that are dragged down terribly by business partners or people that they've clients or investors or whoever. Um, but if you're with the wrong person, just don't get used to it. Know that it is wrong and, and look for support to get out, I think is what I would say. I hope that makes sense, David. No, it does. It does. So so again, listen to that inside voice. We've come back to the intuition thing again and and, yeah. and, and, and do something different. And again, people say, don't they, that you're the product of what is it, the five, the five people you spend most time with or, or whatever? It, I can't remember the exact phrase. Yes. I think it's something along those Good lines. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that, that is, that is indeed a very, very wise quote. And, but, you know, we don't always know. And I think what I've learned is that don't rush into relationships. And I always give this advice to my clients. Sometimes I have clients come to me because I don't just do brand marketing consultants, obviously, because of my background. I also, I also really am a business growth strategist. So people will come to me and they will be looking maybe to um, establish a new business partnership, for example. And they say, well, you know, we're at the point where we want to exchange shares and we want to, you know, give them shares in my company and I'll give them. And it's like, whoa, you know, like hold your horses, you know, just take time, find some small project that you can work on together. Give it a few months and, See how you get on and whether your values are aligned. That's the most important thing. And just by working with somebody, you will find out whether your values are aligned or not. It's a very quick way to find out. Just, you know, as in personal life, if you are 
dating somebody, there's a lot of people that jump into relationships. I've done that myself in the past, and that has got me into very deep water. So um, don't jump in, you know, just see people for a few months. And in my experience, um, if you're dating somebody, it takes between three and three to six months, depending on, you know, how good they are at keeping, keeping their guard up to actually get to the real person. So, you know, don't make any significant commitments um, to begin with. And that will probably reduce your risk of getting involved with the wrong people by 90%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good advice. And you're right about about values. I mean, uh, but it, I definitely feel, because you, 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 you can feel that again quite early on, I think, if, if, if things align. Uh, but it's then you notice these little things, perhaps initially, that don't necessarily feel quite right, and it's listening to those feelings. and And if if you've been able to spend a little bit of time to think about what your own values are, you can put a you can put a name on it, and then you can kind of compare. Um, and again, whether it's with a business partner or a life partner or or whatever it might be, you can compare those things. So you mentioned integrity, and I can understand now, hear more of your story, why that's so important to you. Um, and uh, and that then there'll be other values as well that come through, and and you've then got a reference point then to 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 check in with that. Yeah, I mean, actually, I, when I was going through that really intense personal development phase, I did a. I did a couple of uh, courses with the Landmark Forum, which was a little bit crazy. But anyway, uh, you know, I did all sorts of things. I went to the Yes Group and, you know, the Landmark Forum. And then I obviously paid for a lot of expensive coaching and interventions and all sorts of things to kind of turn my life around. But, uh, but one of the exercises that we did, and it was a really quick exercise, it said, look, scribble down your top three values on a, on a piece of paper. What adjectives, you know, um, you know, or no, sorry, nouns, what, what would you say matters most to you? Three words, and then go around the room, just take, do it really quickly, and then go around the room and tell everybody my top values are. So I scribbled down love, courage, and truth. And funnily enough, love was high, I think, on everybody's, but a lot of people had very different values to courage and truth. And so, you know, as I said, I like to keep life simple. So my top values are love, courage, and truth. So therefore, what that means is that courage, where does courage come in? So courage obviously matches with truth. That means that I'm not going to lie about anything. I'm afraid people will always get the truth from me, whether they like it or not, because that's me. Um, so courage, uh, I don't kind of, I don't step back from any challenge. And I've always been that person. You know, I don't, I'm not scared compared to most people. Obviously, I get scared sometimes, but it's very, very important to me to act like a leader. And leaders are courageous people. They are people who are very courageous compared to average people. So I've always been that leader. Uh, you know, right from an early age, I've been the person that people, you know, count come to when they need to you know, be defended against a bully or something like that. So I'm just that person. And then love, well, I mean, love makes the world go round, doesn't it? What's more important than love? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and truth, yeah, I mean, it is, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're three, they're three very good. They're very, three very good values. And um, and I think they, they translate from a personal life as well into a professional life uh, very 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 well I mean you talked about your professional life and you said that that you had uh, you had talents uh, that people noticed and um, was there was there a very close relationship between those talents and and your passion yeah I mean that's a really interesting question David because for a lot of people there is actually a mismatch between their talents and their passion and I uh, came upon this quite early in my in my career actually because I'm a good writer I'm very good verbally obviously that's something that I, I I know I have a talent for so when I my clients come to me then that's one of the things creating a messaging and language system around what they do in order to make them stand out it's just something that is very instinctively easy for me to do because that's just the person that I am 
Um, so I was always like, I had a degree in English and drama. I was always like got all the top grades for, you know, English. It's, it's just what I'm really, really good at, that writing. But when I was at university, I began to, this awareness kind of dawned upon me that I, I didn't want to be an actress. I never really wanted to be an actress. It, I just did drama because I found it interesting. Um, but I really started to get passionate about design. And I realized that do you know what? Uh, I actually, I'm a really visual person and I really do love design. And so that's when I started, um, you know, I started doing some set designs and, and, you know, working on the sort of visual side of things when I, when I was at university on the productions and so on. And then when I actually went into uh, theatre and film, I was, you know, that was what I was doing. But I didn't. I knew that I wasn't as good as some other people. I was okay. I was all right. And because I was, you know, good at let's just say business development, building relationships, or whatever, I got the work. But I always carried that awareness that look, this isn't. This is my interest rather than my true talent. I knew what my true talent was, and at times it was. I turned away from it because it was almost too much for me. And I think some people that are gifted, and I knew that I was gifted, and I know that sounds like horribly big-headed, but I did have that gift. And when you do have a gift, I think sometimes people can almost experience it as a curse. When, when If it's a creative gift, that's why a lot of creative people are a little bit tormented. They're a bit strange because. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it can be a little bit hard to to live with those to really step into the power of those called the God given gifts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you you draw out a really interesting uh, a point with your story there because uh, fear. You know, people people look at fear and they think about fear of failure and fear of judgment but actually in a way fear of success can can be almost like the invisible fear that that stops so many from really living their dreams yeah that's right and actually i was talking to one of my clients last night he's a he's a men's coach and he was about to do one of his master classes and he was showing me this poem by marianne williamson which is quite a, a famous poem and i i can't quote it uh, verbatim but it is exactly about that topic and you're so right it's very very hard for many of us to actually accept our own greatness. And that is not to sound um, arrogant or, it sounds a bit weird when I say that, but we don't like to be tall poppies because we're social animals. What we're afraid of is not just ourselves and our own greatness. We're afraid of standing out and being different. And I think we are, that it's that almost like that very primeval fear that holds us back because once we actually unleash our true genius what happens well people people separate people get jealous people um become aware that they are different and less than in some respects that makes them feel uncomfortable then they reject us so we attract critics, we attract haters. Um, people will accuse us of being, you know, too big for our own boots or whatever. And I'm sure that <laughs> there's probably lots of people listening to this podcast that might think that about me. And I think it's important to stay humble, but at the same time, we do need to honour ourselves, I think, and our talents and actually not be ashamed of the person that we really are and and that's all we can be really is that person with the vulnerabilities and the and the talents and the weaknesses and the faults and the flaws and everything else and we've got to own all of that 
I, I could, think, David. I, yeah, and I totally agree. And I don't think you're, I, I, you're not coming across to me as as somebody who's bragging here. I'm, I'm asking, <laughs> I'm asking you, I'm asking you questions, and you're talking about all of us to to yeah. my mind because, and again, you're you're telling your story, but 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 again, one of my beliefs about about life is that is that we're all unique, and obviously we know we all know that we're unique, uh, but that then means that that we we all have unique abilities to bring now they're the you know some of us are good at this that and the other and there's lots of people that are good at this that and the other but there's only one person who's Jane Baylor there's only one person who's David Roberts um and um so because we all need each other in this world we actually all have to bring our unique ability and we have to bring that out so so we need to help each other and support each other to stand tall and to bring that forward and to encourage each other to 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 play into our unique ability because that's where we're going to make the most difference for other people in my view yeah i think you're absolutely right david as you said once we embrace if you like our own talents that's when we can bring them out to the world and as you said, really make a difference. And I know that with, uh, you know, with my talents, for example, every single day when I'm working with my clients, I'm looking at how they put their offer together, what their offer says about them, whether they're using the right trigger words in order to really express themselves in as authentic a way as possible, but also in a way that resonates with their ideal clients. So yes, yeah, so, so people bringing forth those those talents and and being supported to bring forth those talents is is so key. So my my so in a way my I've got this vision for a world where if everybody could find their purpose and and get it out of them and into a plan and make it happen, the world would be a better place. And so with with you and what what you're doing and you're you're using your your skills your talents to to help others to do that. I mean. There's what you're doing for those people, but then think about the ripple effect. Think about what those people could then do for others. You've talked about a client who's a who's a who's a, who's a men's coach. I mean, and you've got clients who who are providing all kinds of services to help other people. So you know, by virtue of you following your purpose, you're helping others to follow theirs, and and so the reach if you if you sort of compound that must be massive and so that's a, another great example of why if we all feel like uh, if we've if we've got a unique gift or a unique ability or we are uniquely us we need to bring it every day no we do definitely uh, and uh yeah i i completely agree and actually i've got uh, my my mission statements in my drawer and uh i know that a lot of people might say this, but, you know, my goal is to impact tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people through helping entrepreneurs launch and scale businesses effectively. Because when you think about that, the power of that is incredible because the, the entrepreneurs I help are also, they are employing other people, they are bringing, um, you know, security to their families um, by helping them launch a business or reposition a business or scale in the right way, I am bringing, I know that I'm bringing incredible value to the world and I'm really proud of that. So, mm. um, and it all starts here, doesn't it? I mean, just coming out here and having this, uh, you know, this podcast together, I'm so grateful to you for this opportunity, David. And I think what you're doing with this podcast is absolutely fantastic because people are lost without a purpose. So I totally get your mission and I think it's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm doing this again, partly because I, I want to help other people to find their purpose, but also I'm doing it for a selfish reason as well, because I want to kind of get my own thoughts out of me and, and, and if I can get it out of me and get it on, get it on, on, on paper in some way. And like this audio can then be transcribed that could maybe, uh, you know, become, um, a book or a guide or whatever it might be. So, so it's a bit about getting something out of me, but also about giving stuff to other people. So, so yeah, so it, it definitely fulfills my purpose as well as fulfilling others, I hope. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And aren't we incredibly lucky to have this opportunity today to have these uh, mediums like podcasting? Um, yeah. You know, sometimes I just wake up and I, and I pinch, them, pinch myself because I think, you know what, 
as long as I have hours in the day, I can be creative. I can put good stuff out into the world in whatever form I do it. And there was a time when that would have cost a lot of money mm. um, to be able to do that. But today, this opportunity is really accessible to everyone. And what that means is that we're living in an amazingly vibrant world where people are sharing ideas, they're sharing knowledge, um, they're sharing wisdom, and everybody is is benefiting. It's just phenomenal when I think about it, when I think about how life used to be, you know, way back in the day, 20 years ago or something. The difference is huge, isn't it? Absolutely, and that you know, there's been some crazy things that have gone on in the last few years, and uh, and well, there's some crazy things going on now. But we're still, you know, it's it's important to be grateful for the time that we are we are here, and uh, and yeah, I'm 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 really happy to be around now because because uh, because uh, this this is a great environment, and uh, there's there is so much opportunity uh, if you can open your eyes and 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 open your heart to to see it and take make the most of it. Definitely. So let me ask you a couple of quick fire questions then now, that's okay. Yes. So um so you bit you were a bit of a party animal by the sounds of it. What's your favourite kind of music? I love all sorts of music. So I've got like, uh, I mean, uh, one of my hobbies is actually creating playlists on Spotify. So I've got kind of three primary playlists. So I've got the, uh, you might be surprised, the ultimate party mix. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yep. Uh, and then I've got the energize and inspire mix, um, which is kind of upbeat, but not party-ish. Mm. And then I've got the chill out, the ultimate chill out mix, which is the one that I listen to when I'm working. And um, and then apart from that, I just love exploring new genres, new genres. So I like to listen to everything, really, from jazz to folk to country to indie to, you know, rock um, to classical. I, I love the whole lot. I'm just crazy about music. Excellent. Me too. I've got three gigs coming up in the next week. Yeah. Really? So Yeah. Yeah. That's so lo- lots, lo- I'm going to see three different bands uh, that some of them, some of them are kind of cancelled or were delayed because of COVID and they've all, co- they're all coming along at once. Oh, so wow. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really, I love, lo- love live music. I love, oh. I love clubbing. I love, um, I love, uh, love dance music as well. So, uh, so yeah, I love all that. Amazing. Well, I actually interviewed on my podcast, I interviewed uh, Brandon Block uh, mm. last week, who was the, uh, you know, one of the godfathers of the acid house scene. Yeah. Um, so uh, every now and again, I like to kind of dip into that, that whole music thing and just pluck somebody out and just um, really, you know, focus on them because music is music makes the world go around. I think for so many people, it's amazing. Absolutely. So what would be your perfect weekend? Perfect weekend. Um, well, as I said, I'm single at the moment. So uh, a perfect weekend would be for uh, Bradley Cooper to kind of fly in from LA, having broken up with uh, whoever it is that he's with at the moment. And to say, you know what, Jane, I've been listening to your podcast and following you for some time, and I'm just in love. And I'm going to whisk you away to some amazing uh, hotel probably Chewton Glen or somewhere like that. And we're just going to have an amazing weekend together. And um, I'm going to wine and dine you and we're going to have the time of our lives. <laughs> Fantastic. That sounds brilliant. I quite yeah. fancy that myself. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So um, what makes you lose track of time? Yeah, so so writing and creating. Um, so that is my enduring passion, and that's something that I want to do until I die. So um, I just, um, I really, really, really love creating, but I also love designing. I love like fiddling around on canvas. Sometimes I realise that, oh wait a minute, my meeting was supposed to have started twenty minutes ago, because <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like playing with canvas. So. Canva is my is my go to uh, play tool. Let's just say so. Um, but but writing is always going to be my enduring passion, really, and language. And so, I've actually just recently got a um, pair of um, uh, Bluetooth um, noise cancelling uh, headsets and microphones, and downloaded an app on my phone. So I'm going to be kind of experimenting with going for long country walks with my dog, and actually. Um, transcribing a book 
or a series of books or whatever. That's that's kind of one of my one of my sort of pet projects that's kind of coming up next. So I'm going to see if it works anyway, because because otherwise we just spend too much time in front of a screen, don't we? So yeah. Um, so I think I think the lovely thing about podcasts is that you can go out and listen to them when you're out and about, can't you? You can you can jump in the car and listen to a podcast. You can go out walking and put your headphones on, listen to a podcast. You can do it at the gym. So podcasting and audio audio in general is just um, an incredibly versatile and powerful medium. Hmm. So now I want to take it a little, you know, a, a little bit further and see if I can if I can kind of crack this um, new way of writing writing books, which I know some people do already, but that's my next challenge. Yeah, but, good, good. Create on the move definitely makes a lot of sense. So yeah. is there is there any such thing as a stupid question? A stupid question. Um, well, stupid people ask stupid questions, I suppose. And I mean, maybe that kind of sounds a bit mean, but, uh, you know, a stupid question. Um, I think as long as you're asking why, that is never a stupid question. A stupid question is just something that is just not worth talking about. Mm. So sometimes people will, I don't know, I suppose, sort of make conversation and talk about very dull things. Mm. And I don't mean like the weather, because the weather is always interesting for us <laughs> English people, isn't it? But uh, yeah, so so I, I wouldn't say stupid questions. I would say there are some questions which I'm like, oh, I don't really want to answer that. But on the whole, I think I think any question that starts off with why is a completely the opposite of a stupid question. That's an intelligent question, because we all need to get to get to the why of everything really don't we exactly that's good and what what makes you cry with laughter <laughs> well i would love to cry with laughter every single day but um unfortunately um i don't think i have enough enough humor in my life to do that but um i mean look i love i love comic comic films i love comedies um I think as we all do, I love funny people. I love jokes. Anybody that can make me laugh immediately captures my heart. Mm. So I'm just like a total sucker for anybody that can make me laugh. So um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, there's so, so many kind of funny and talented people around, aren't there? So mm. I don't even know where to start. I, I kind of, I quite like Michael McIntyre. He does make me laugh. Yeah. He makes me laugh as well. I've yeah. 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 That's good. Guilty secret. That is the secrets out. Good. Yeah. So, um, so what's the most important lesson that you've learned in life then? So always be clear about your purpose or others will use you for theirs. And I know I mentioned that earlier, but I think never, ever lose sight of your purpose. If you're feeling lost, if you're feeling confused, reach out for help to get you on track. Don't use other people to try and find out what life is all about or what you want or anything like that, because life is full of other people, of, of people who will use other people for those reasons and don't be the person that falls into that trap because it's it's just a path that leads to absolutely nowhere and will waste your time your energy your resource or whatever so um be somebody who is purposeful for sure and be around other people who are purposeful and very very clear about what they want and if somebody is expressing confusion, look, there's there's no harm in that. I mean, we all have moments and times when we're confused or we wonder, what am I doing it for? Am I doing the right thing? That's all perfectly normal. But it's not the right thing to do to use other people to find out. Um, just get back on track by reaching out to trusted others and really taking time to pause, reflect, and really think about, okay, what is important to me in life? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this every single moment of my waking day? Why am I getting up in the morning and doing this? Why am I doing this at lunchtime? Why am I doing this in the evening? It does this align with my purpose. And um, we all have, um, you know, we all have human frailties and weaknesses. So you know, we all know that we shouldn't drink alcohol, but we most of us do. We all know we shouldn't eat cakes, you know, or, or sort of lounge around in, you know, watching Netflix instead of going to the gym. So nobody's perfect. But um, we do, when we're clear, I think about our purpose, then we also, um, 
it's also much easier for us to let ourselves off the hook when it comes to those imperfect things that we all do as well. <laughs> Brilliant. So Jane, thank you ever so much for, for coming on People With Purpose and uh, sharing your love and sharing your courage and sharing your truth. Uh, it's been really, really great to, to listen to you, to your story um, and some, some real pearls of wisdom there for people to, to pick up on. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to, to, to finish on? And, and would you like to tell us a bit about how we can find you and, uh, and follow your work? Sure. Uh, thank you so much, uh, David. Well, I'm on LinkedIn every day. In fact, I'm I'm pretty visible on social media. I have a website, www.janebaylor.com, or you can just um, you know reach reach out to me, uh, reach out to me by email or whatever. I will always get back to you. I love to connect with people, and if there's anything that I can do to help you in any way whatsoever. If you are really struggling right now, I offer free calls and I've always have done. So if you're really suffering with some, you know, big issue in your business or your life or whatever, I, I, I'm not going to be pushy, spammy or salesy or anything else. I just love to be able to help people who have, you know, perhaps they're going through hard times or, you know, they're, they're struggling from the aftermath of that. So, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm here for you. Love that. Thank you, Jane. You're very welcome. And thank you so much, David, for inviting me on the show. It's been such an amazing pleasure and a privilege. Likewise. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, Tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.